Hello and welcome to Autism Unmasked. My name is Nikki Collins and this is an extra special episode for you today. This is the live launch from last week, the recorded version for you to listen to in case you weren't on there. This is also available on YouTube. I'll link it into the show notes. There is no transcript for this because it would be incredibly confusing as there is a live question and answer aspect to this show today. So listen in, learn about the book. If you've got any questions, pop them over to me at nikki at the asdcoach.co.uk. Again, I'll pop that into the notes so you can just click through. I love to hear from you and enjoy. Good evening, everyone. Hello. My name is Penny Wilby, and thank you so much for coming this evening to the launch of Nikki's new book, Through Autistic Eyes. Through Autistic Eyes is a collection of stories of later diagnosed autistic women, inspiring and impositive accounts of women harnessing their autistic superpowers. But who is Nikki Collins? Well, first of all, I must tell you, Nikki is amazing. And she told me I had to tell you that. But I'm pretty sure that it won't come as a surprise to those who know her. Nikki was later diagnosed at 34, and her story is included in the book. She has a podcast, Autism Unmasked, and is the coach for newly diagnosed business owners who want to make the most of their autistic strengths. She's a mum to a teen, bless her, has six guinea pigs, a whippet, and a cat. And when she's not writing books, coaching awesome women, or feeding animals, she has a love for cold water swimming, even in November. For those of you who haven't yet bought the book, you can do so by visiting her website, theautismcoach.co.uk. We should now get stuck into the questions, and thank you to everybody who sent to send yours in. We'll try and get through as many as possible, but obviously we only have an hour, but I will will do the best that I possibly can. So, Nikki, hello, welcome. Let's get stuck in. Question number one, what made you want to write a book? Well, I'll let people Firstly, know. I'd also like to say thank you, everyone, to come in. <laughs> because without you guys it wouldn't have been possible so what would made me want to write a book I was literally walking across a field one day as you do and a voice came into my head and it said to me your success is in stories and I thought I wonder what that means I wonder where that could go and the result of that is this book yeah so that's why I decided to write a book Plus, this topic is very close to my heart and there needed to be more material on this topic from the people that actually live this experience who are autistic. So that was that was my main reasoning behind it. Excellent. And um, can you tell us about the other women featured in the book? I most certainly can. There are... 10 and I've just hit the cat on the head and he's run away (laughs) there are 10 women who are featured in the book myself Claire Marie Eleanor Thora Ali Lynn Kelly Jade Sam and Nicola and every single one of them has a powerful story to share and it's just been a privilege to interview people and 
and speak to and, and speak to each of these people and take our conversations and put them into into the book that is now materialized so personally i'll go through a little bit of each story without going into all of the details because you can find that out when you read the book but myself i left home at 16 and i didn't know that i was i'm autistic until i was 34 so that's quite a big chunk of your life i divorced alcohol this year and that was one of my biggest masks and it was the most brilliant decision that i've ever made um, I discovered it was a major mask. I discovered some of the reasons why I hid behind alcohol. I blocked out a lot of those reasons and it all became really clear and life has just got better and better and better for me. Um, I lost a lot of myself over the years through alcohol and drug addiction, but eventually I found myself and I am much, much, much stronger as a result of the challenges that I faced. Chapter two is Claire Marie, who has an amazing story about spiders. It does come with a trigger warning, and I'm not going to share it with you today because we don't have time for that, and you can read it in the book. But she was misdiagnosed, like a lot of autistic women, with so many different mental health conditions. And my favorite one, I say that in a sarcastic way rather than my favorite misdiagnosis is um, mental health unknown. And that was actually put onto her medical records. They then went ahead and lost her medical records. So everything that she had ever gone through was lost and she had to start again. So needless to say, she was not in a very good place when that happened. And it was unfair, really unfair. So it hasn't always been easy for Claire Marie. She was in an abusive relationship and that relationship resulted in her ended up living in a Vauxhall Severa car with two children and a dog. And she was homeless for a period of time and then she built her life back up and she owned owned her house from a young age and she's, she's just smashed it. She's doing absolutely amazing. Uh, she loves to sing talk. She always knows when an appliance has gone on in the house. So if someone turns on the toaster and she's upstairs, she knows. And there is an echo of the kids saying, Mom, it's just the toaster. Go to the house. So these are her supersonic hearing powers. Then we've got Ellie, and she is a, a talented musician, songwriter. She's absolutely fabulous. And when she was younger and probably even to this day, knowing Ellie, she had the nickname of Hyper Chicken because she's just hyper and a little bit flappy, Hyper Chicken. And it was an endearing term rather than anything that was negative. And she's so full of energy. And you'll hear more about Ellie because I'm going to read a little bit from her chapter because it's so powerful. I mean, all the stories in this book are so powerful. But I've only got an hour and I can't read them all. And I had to choose some. And I'm like to my other half who's listened to this time and time and time and time and time and time again. What do I choose? Help me. So Eleanor's is one of those um, that you'll be hearing a little later on. Thora's the next chapter and she wasn't actually expecting an autism diagnosis. It completely blindsided her. She had no idea she was on the spectrum 
And she was another person who was given misdiagnosis after misdiagnosis, including borderline personality disorder, schizoid disorder, straight out schizophrenia, psychosis, and all other just anything that came in that book. They said that she had and nothing ever, ever truly fit. At one point, she was on nine different medications. And she's another person in this book who had a breakdown. And in the run up to the diagnosis, as I said, she was on nine medications. She's done a lot of personal development. Again, this is another running theme through this book, self-development, personal development, and working on themselves. And one of Thora's top tips, every single chapter has got a top tip from the from the people that I've spoken to. And part of Thora's top tip was to trust yourself and to know your worth. The next chapter, Ali, she's another person. She had a breakdown. She actually had three breakdowns before her diagnosis in 2020. And she was only 23. Three breakdowns by the age of 23. The autism diagnosis helped her to understand that she wasn't mentally ill. She was doing too much and she was in autistic burnout. Very different. Very different. She's got a master's degree. But she'll eat the same breakfast every morning. She used to have Weetabix and she'd have them in a very specific way. And God forbid that you should put too much milk on and make them soggy. She can't eat them anymore because she's got a uh, food intolerance and it aggravates it. So she's gone on to something else. But the world will collapse if she does not have her specific breakfast every single morning, which contains chocolate. It's okay. We'll let one slide. <laughs> She's also a nature baby and she loves to be outside, but not for a particular reason. She's not the sort of person who thinks I must go out for a walk. She just likes to be outside. She likes to experience being outside, being in nature, experience the outside world. And she also likes to walk the dogs that she's borrowed. So thumbs up for that. Lynn, I'm going to be reading a little bit of Lynn's story as well, because it's incredible. This woman is a master, an absolute master of stories. And what she's been to, been through, will make your jaw drop. Absolutely incredible. She was diagnosed at 54. She wasn't actually diagnosed. She kind of went through the paperwork, said, asked too many questions. And the psychiatrist said, you're asking so many questions. You're clearly autistic. We don't need to diagnose you. That's your diagnosis. Off you go. <laughs> and Lynn is yet another person who had a mental breakdown. She had um, or a nervous breakdown, should I say, not a mental breakdown. She had PTSD. And the nature of that caused her to have a shutdown. And that was caused by past trauma and something flicking a switch and sending her into a spiral downwards. And as I say, I'll share a bit of uh, of Lynn's story because it's just incredible what that woman, well, wow, just wow. Then we've got Kelly, anxiety, depression. Are we, are we seeing a pattern emerging here at all? <laughs> anxiety, depression. Kelly is... She's a cycle breaker. 
And she worked on herself and she gave her kids the tools and the supports that she never had herself. She's even written a book for parents to help neurodivergent autistic parents to help neurodivergent children. And Kelly talks a lot about acceptance and of herself and self-acceptance for others too. And there are a lot of value. There's a lot of value in the tips that she shares within her chapter. We all have challenges. We just need to work out how we can fill the gaps so that it makes our life easier. And I think that goes across the board anyway. That's not just autism, but obviously this is specific to autism. So I'll stick with that. (laughs) Then we've got Jade, who was diagnosed at 25. She's totally dog mad. She, as soon as she could pick up a book, she carried a dog encyclopedia around with her and that was her special interest. She now has a dog of her own, her support dog, and she's loving it. Now, Jade's mum actually conceived her by a sperm donor. And I don't mean that by the traditional, oh, you know, the sperm donor, the, the, the missing dad. I actually mean she went to a sperm bank and went through artificial insemination. And the sperm bank recently contacted Jade with news that she had a sister and they connected them. And that sister actually turned into a brother and sister who are twins. And they're neurodivergent, they're autistic. So it's been interesting for Jade to see how similar her and her siblings are. Then we got Sam, the lovely Sam. Hi, Sam, who realized at about 35 that she is autistic and she's actually gained her official labels this year. Uh Go, Sam. And she's another person who's gone really deep dive into self-development and personal development. She went on a total research rampage, like total. It's like hats off to you. It's exactly what I've done. It's something I've been doing for 15 years and you've probably longer than me in, in on that journey not sure but uh we can talk about that on another epic conversation one day but sam's an incredible artist and her biggest literally biggest piece was an eight foot dragon which she sculpted out of sheet metal or sorry expanded metal called alan and who doesn't love a dragon I'm getting a dragon tattoo uh, the two days after my birthday to cover up a, a a really bad mistake that I should never have got tattooed in the first place. So, <laughs> yes, dragons. Um, Sam is one of two people in this book who also struggled in. Wow, look at that. There's Sam showing us her dragon, Alan. Amazing. I love Alan. But Sam, again, had she had eating disorder when she was younger, which is quite common amongst autistic people. If it's not an eating disorder like anorexia or bulimia, it can be eating because we don't have that that control when we don't realize we're hungry because of the sense of interoception. So it doesn't register that we're hungry or thirsty. And again, this is stuff that you can learn about in the book because it's not just stories. It does give help and guidance as well. And Sam obviously recovered very well from anorexia and it wasn't just anorexia, it was anorexia athletica because she had to go one further, Sam. (laughs) And 
that comes with a physical element. So for her, that was a grueling training routine, which included a thousand sit-ups, a thousand press-ups, a thousand leg raises on each leg every single day. And that's that's a lot. But she got that control back and she now runs her own business and is doing absolutely amazing. And a final chapter is Nicola. And Nicola's story is a story that shows that no matter where or how you grow up, if you have a desire or an aptitude to learn in, you can do whatever it is that you set your mind to. She, like everyone else in this book, she hasn't had it easy. No one has. But she went on to become an award-winning jewellery designer. She was in, published in books. Again, I say award-winning. She won loads of awards. And when she'd finished that section of her journey, she and her husband built a multi-million pound cybersecurity business, won the Queen's Award for Innovation, and she eventually went on to become the recipient of an MBE, which was presented by the now King Charles. So it just goes to show that no matter where you are, no matter how you are brought up, no matter your early childhood upbringing, you can achieve. Autism doesn't have to hold you back. It's other people's perceptions, not you. And actually, I'm not sure if Nicola's on here this evening, but I would also like to congratulate her because she's just won another award and she's just acing it. So she's the sort of person that just keeps on going, doesn't stop, and then ends up lapping the people that are still going, how do I do this? So she might not always have the answers or the knowledge on how to do something, but she just keeps going. She's like the Duracell bunny. She's going on and on and on and on. So that is the people in this book. Absolutely amazing. (laughs) Uh, Thank you very much. Um, I've got uh, another another question before you you read um, an, an extract. So, um, it was one that was, was sent in, actually, but I, I, I like it. What unexpected things have you learned about yourself in the process of hearing the stories of others? And I thought that was quite a nice question to to sort of follow on the synopsis of the, the ladies who are part of your group, your book. Yeah, I mean, I think life itself is a learning journey. And when you get to have a conversation with so many people who are aligned to you, who have had similar challenges it really kind of highlights some areas that maybe you've overlooked. It gives you another another ability to delve into your own personal development. For me, personal development, self-development is a special interest of mine. It's been quite helpful. And it's shown me how badly people have been let down by the systems and the systems are so, so broken. It's shown me that out there, there is resource upon resource upon resource that are written by neurotypicals who have no idea what it's like to live an autistic experience because they're not autistic. All they kind of want to do is mold us into neurotypicals. And we aren't that, which is why there's like this high level of anxiety and depression because it all gets misdiagnosed. And just from the little bits that I explained from the chapters in the book, 
you can see that people are misdiagnosed all of the time and they think that there's something wrong with them. There's nothing wrong with them. There's nothing wrong with us. And I think that it's really helped me to step into another level of confidence as well by seeing that I'm not alone. And although that I felt like an outsider for the majority of my life, there are more of me. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Brilliant. Um, Was there anything else that particularly stood out for you after you completed writing the book? Oh, do you know, I think just people's willingness to share, to help others. I know for me that I've gone through a lot of experiences that I wouldn't wish on anybody. And I am of the mindset that if I've experienced it, then it's best to share it with people once you've got to a state of healing, because there is a good, there is a right way to share things and there is a toxic way to share things. So when you get to a point where you can actually use those traumas, you've healed from them as best you can, because it's still a journey and things come up from time to time. Um, And so many people in this book are doing exactly the same thing. And that is how the books actually come to be in the first place, because they've been willing to share, willing to open up and share their experiences. And I'm so proud of everyone who's done that. Brilliant. Thank you. Um, I understand you're going to be reading an extract now from from the book. So I'll um, I'll leave you to to do that. I will. I won't go into too much detail because we will be here all night, but I have chosen (laughs) a couple of little sections. The first one is about Eleanor, and Eleanor was one of the people who was hospitalised before she realised that she was autistic. Now, she had an inkling that she was ADHD, didn't realise that she was autistic, and it started to it started to become apparent. So I shall begin if you're sitting comfortably. So it hasn't always been easy for Eleanor to talk about herself. In fact, the realisation there is a high possibility she had autism led to her having a miniature breakdown and she was hospitalised for a couple of weeks. But this time gave her the opportunity to reevaluate everything. Whilst in hospital, Eleanor noticed that she was around people who had very similar symptoms to her. During her stay, she had to wear sunglasses all the time as she couldn't look anyone in the eye. It was almost as though she'd experienced this extreme meltdown because she had been masking her symptoms. She had been forcing herself into social situations and pushed herself to breaking point. Eye contact is something she finds difficult, but she had learned she needed to look a person in the eye when she was talking to them, as this shows you're interested and engaged in a conversation. However, this seemingly simple act caused her so much pain and difficulty that it led to her literally shutting down. And now she couldn't look anyone in the eye. She couldn't even look in the mirror, as even her own reflection was too much. After leaving the hospital, it was a slow road to recovery. It was like she had to completely rediscover who she truly was and all the things she now realised she wasn't. 
It was such a strange yet amazing experience because Eleanor realised that if she wasn't true to herself, then she wouldn't survive. That was in 2014, but Eleanor is still on a journey of self-discovery to this very day. So that's Ellie. And I'm going to read a tiny bit from Lynn's as well, who, as I say, is just the stories. If she ever wrote an autobiography, I'd be first there to, to, to read it because the stories this woman has, it's just mind-blowing what she's been through, what she's done, and she just reels them off. It's just boom, 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 one after the other, and it's like, wow, really? So... You'll see what I mean in a moment. I asked Lynn what a good day and a bad day was like, so the difference between the two, and this was her answer. Lynn feels like a good day, looks like anyone else's normal day. Things happen, and she is able to deal with them as they arise, which means she can be amazing in a crisis. If the world is falling to bits, she can be fantastic. And that's what she means about not being allowed to have a bad day. When things go horribly wrong, she has a switch that allows her to deal with it and she'll fall to bits afterwards. In 1988, Lynn was involved in a nasty car accident. She was traveling in the back of a car with her seatbelt on when they had a head-on collision. By some miracle, Lynn was able to get out of the car and get everyone else involved organized. This was in the day before mobile phones or oh, dress pockets. It doesn't say <laughs> that in here. This was in the day before mobile phones. So she walked across the road to the garage and got them to dial 999 before walking back to the car. Working on autopilot now, Lynn made sure the girl who was traveling in the front seat had something to rest her head on and made her lay down as she'd gone straight into shock. It was at this point that one of the ambulance crew asked if she was a witness to the accident. Lynn told them she was in the back seat, and that's when she was put into the back of an ambulance and taken to hospital. She had 10 broken ribs, a fractured sternum, a cracked pelvis, and three cracked vertebrae in her neck. To say Lynn is good in a crisis is an understatement. It also made me question whether her pain threshold was always that high, which she said it probably has been. Yeah. Wow, indeed. Um, I have no words for once. (laughs) Yes, good in a crisis, just a little bit. Exactly, exactly. It's just, it's insane. It really is absolutely incredible so that that one really jumped out but Lynn's story is just peppered with stuff and you're just like every page you're like oh my what (laughs) oh my god (laughs) it's incredible amazing god I've um I've actually got some more questions yeah um yep if um if if that's good now um I'm actually going to read one from um Dr Dakin um <laughs> um priority given that she's my sister so <laughs> what advice would you give psychiatrists when they're working with those with mental health difficulties who are autistic in what capacity Catherine you can unmute yourself hello, hello. so I'm thinking 
I well, I'm a, an adolescent psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. Um, I have also worked in adult learning disability, where we also see a lot of people and assess and diagnose people for autism. So I'm really passionate about autism and ADHD and general neurodivergence. But I am a psychiatrist. So I'm looking at mental health mm-hmm. and I have a lot of young people, especially the women, the, the young the girls, the young ladies who might not actually even come with a diagnosis of ASD, but I'm I'm really suspecting it. But what they're coming to me for is anxiety, <laughs> depression, psychosis, you know, the the sorts of things that that's why they come to me. Mm. And I'm an inpatient psychiatrist and the system's really quite unforgiving. It's not a nice environment. There's just coming into to where we are. It must be destabilizing sensory overload to the max. And then, and we're not, not many of us are specially trained in, in ASD and working with and understanding people who are autistic. And so really, I'm just wondering if there's top tips on people who aren't specialist, who aren't autistic themselves, aren't specially trained in autism, just the way to make, make people f- who are autistic feel heard, safe, um, validated, because it, there's a communication complexity mm-hmm. sort of overlays. It's just if there was any top tips, because I'm always looking for ways to do better and to be better. Yeah, I think clear communication and concise communication goes a long way. And actually stopping to listen rather than putting the dots between, oh, maybe they mean this. And as you say, autistic females in particular, and this can go for males and non-binary individuals too, are fantastic at camouflaging. So if you do not present autism as a stereotypical tick box autistic individual, regardless of gender, you are easy to be missed. So asking i mean i work with a um a occupational therapist who does like the pre-assessments for um diagnosis mm-hmm. or shout diagnosis. out to occupational therapists it is international occupational therapy week just i wanted to throw that in as well if anybody oh, knows that, there we are fabulous. just a celebratory moment to add there, uh, we will all celebrate nick this week then <laughs> <laughs> and she asked the questions that are so often missed. It's like you ask a question, you get the answer that you kind of expect, and then she'll dig a little bit deeper and she'll say, so how are you actually feeling on the inside? Where are you feeling at in your body? What, what's going on internally? And then you can go from thinking, all right, that's a tick, to, oh, hang on, there's something more going on here. And... um. Yeah, I liked the, the question. Where are you feeling it in your body? I'm mm. so going to use that because one of my autistic young people, he tells me he's got a headache. He gets offered, the nurses offer paracetamol. He goes, no, it's a mental headache. Yeah, yeah. He asks for his ice pack instead. I mean, it's, it's incredible. His own insights. You have to ask that question. Where are you feeling? Lovely. Writing yeah. down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And even things like, what was your intention behind that? Because things can be misconstrued um in what context so it's these little add-ons so think of a typical job interview obviously that's not your line of work but think of a typical job interview where do you say tell me something about yourself and it's just it's just huh 
I don't know how to answer that. There's a thousand ways I can answer that. But then if you say, in what context? They say, oh, professionally. Oh, your hobbies. Oh, in this, in that. Then it gives you a, a, a more direct line rather than going on and feeling like, oh, my God, did I get it right? Did I get it wrong? Oh, no. I'm now going to think about this for the next 20 years. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, there's, um, Gary has actually got his hand up. So, um I think you'd like to ask something. Well, just a, an observation about the last conversation. My daughter was diagnosed at the age of 23, um, which she sought herself, by the way. And she'd already been to child psychiatrists for the previous eight years. Uh, and none of them, and that's three, saw her as autistic. They saw the depression. They saw the anxiety. But in hindsight, she was giving them signals all the time. I, I feel invisible. I don't yeah. know how to make friends. Um, I hate the feeling of, of uh, certain things. So the professionals have got to perhaps assume, particularly that a 15-year-old girl is on the spectrum, and then rule it out rather than just treat the symptoms. Makes sense. And yeah. I find that if you are prescribed something like antidepressants, which have their place, so I'm not anti-medication at all, but if you're prescribed antidepressants and you are on them for years and years and years and you are medication resistant, just maybe, mm. maybe you're being treated for the wrong thing. She, she actually sees it like I do because, I, 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 as you know, Nikki, I identified last year at the age of 65. And I, I see it as more of a, an awakening. I suddenly mm. understand myself. But that comes with the wisdom of greater age and experience. When you're 14 or 15, you don't have that experience. You've got no context. You don't have conversations. And, it's, and if they're going to be um, placed in front of professionals, the selection of that professional is absolutely crucial. Exactly. Exactly. But I would always assume that a child is autistic before they're uh, told they're not. Anyway, that's my four pennies. Brilliant book, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, thank you very much. Should we just quickly um, pop on to the next um, the next question, and then we'll take some more Q and A's from um, from the audience, if that's if that's okay. Um, we've got to hear a little bit more about, um, I guess, the creation of the book. Um, mm. Describe, if you can, your writing process. I absolutely can. It was all over the place at times, but there was structure and logic. So it was a combination of autistic structure, ADHD sabotage, but it worked somehow. <laughs> the, the, the fundamental process was I jumped onto Zoom with individuals. I recorded the conversation and then I transcribed the notes. So I had everything. I couldn't miss anything off. I then put it into something that was very easy to read. I always find a hard write, easy read is the best way around. And that's what I always aim for. And each chapter was then sent off to my copywriter and proofreader. She went through it with a fine tooth comb. That then went over to the person that I was writing about. And then that went into the final copy once all the edits were were done. 
And well, what I thought was the final copy, because then when you go through it again, 20 million times to make sure that you've got all the typos and all the things that you don't want in there and make sure there's nothing that could cause offense to anybody. It's um, it's it's a long process with many moving parts. And I've had some real, really amazing support and help through this process. It's not something I could have done on my own. So that's really the way that I've written it. And I've I've taken time out to get up at five o'clock in the morning to do chapters. I've done it late at night. I've done it when I couldn't sleep. I've actually carved time out specifically in my diary to be able to do it. And of course, I've built a business around it at the same time. And it's just been interesting and home educated. So yeah, doddle. Yeah. 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 I'm I am um, overwhelmed with your discipline. Unbelievable. Um so how long did it take you to write from from when you you sat down maybe with that first with the first idea to where we are now? Two years. Three years. Two. Two years. Two years. Two years. Wow. Wow. So how did how did you get it published? I self-published through my own publishing house that I had to set up, uh, which is called Through the Nick of Time. So cool. I'm Nikki, Nick of Time. Actually, <laughs> Sam came up with that one. So hats off to Sam. I'm not wearing a hat, but hats <laughs> off. <laughs> Thank you. And I had a lot of help from Nathan at Softwood Publishing, who's on the call today. And it, seriously, Nathan, you have been an absolute blessing. If I wasn't gay and if you wasn't married, I would marry you. I love you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. So tell me, where can people buy this book from if they haven't already? Well, the book will be available on Amazon. I've had a couple of teething problems because Amazon have just haven't been playing ball. So that should be going live sometime next week on the ebook version and Amazon itself. But you can buy it directly through me on my website. I will pop the link into the chat now. There you go. Handy. Excellent. Had it copied on my board already. Oh, excellent. <gasps> I made earlier. <laughs> you thought about Blue Peter. He could be a presenter. Exactly. And all the books that come through my website, all those orders are signed as well. So any any orders that come through, signed copies, and I'm all up to date with everything that's been purchased so far. So Excellent. it'll be a quick delivery. <laughs> I've always, there was also a question that was asked earlier. I think it's hmm. probably now's a good, uh, good time. I'm really sorry. I can't remember who asked it might have been Louise is I know that the first book is only just out but are you thinking of a second is there going to be a second book I don't know quite probably because it's quite contagious when you start writing it I'm not sure that I would do one in this style I think it would be more about kind of the work that I've done and the coaching that I've done so it makes it more attainable for people who don't have the money to purchase a a program that's that that costs more and um, yeah, there will definitely be more. Just not sure what and how that looks like yet. <laughs> I, I I have a question. Yes. Yeah. Have you thought about doing it as an audio book? Yes, I am going to be doing it as an audio book. 
good because <laughs> I like listening to to books when I'm driving and I don't often have the time to just sit down and, and read but I, if I'm listening like listening I can do other things so yeah that's what I excellent. do as well I put, yeah. put it through the car stereo if on long drives or if I'm washing up it makes it less washing mm-hmm. up like <laughs> so somebody said is, is there an easy read version um iPhone I don't think that's their name Nathan, is there an easy read version? <laughs> That's one mute. No. There we go. There we go. Um, well, first of all, congratulations. Um, yeah. <laughs> the uh, well, the ebook hopefully will be on um, next week. Hopefully Monday, I think, uh, if we can push that through. Mm. Um, easy read. I have to say that the way that it's been formatted, um, I'd, I'd like to think that it is. Um, it's it's got a, it's a it's a nice font that is easy to read. Um, so often the font size actually can be a bit of a problem as well. Um, but I, I think actually what we've got here is 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 a really hopefully uh, an accessible um, version, whether it's paperback or, or ebook. But as you say, if you're looking at an audiobook, doing something like that, that'll be great, and that'll again add to accessibility. Yeah. Mm. And for the comments that have just come in about being easy easy to listen to, it will be me narrating. <laughs> Excellent. Cool. Brilliant. Well, um, we've got some more. We've had lots of comments. I'm, I'm going to try and scroll back in and um, get them. But we've got about 10 minutes left. So we've got time for some more some more questions. Okay. Um, so here's, here's, um, here's another one. Um, were there any surprises during the writing of, of the book? I'm, I'm surprised that I finished it, being ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? The biggest surprise was the amount of moving parts that are in a book. It is just mind-blowing. I I spoke to – because my writing journey started by writing one chapter in a collaborative book – where people wrote their chapters and sent it in and they were all put together and compiled. And I thought, well, if I can write one chapter, I can write the whole book. And they also did like a package where you could spend several thousand pounds and they'd do everything for you. They'd coach you. They'd do the proofreading, the editing, the formatting, all of the stuff. And I thought, that's a lot of money. And now I've come through the other side. I'm like, I can see that that was very good value. I'm really <laughs> glad that the way that I did it, but the, the amount of moving parts in it, I think was the biggest, biggest surprise because there's a yeah. lot to put in a book together. It's not a simple case, just carving time out and writing. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Mm. Um, another question um, sent in, interested to know if this book could benefit men who may want to find out more. Yes. Absolutely. Autism is not gendered. It's just the research has typically been done on young white males. That's it. My next door neighbor had bought a book and he came over the other day excited the next day and was saying how much he was learning about it, about autism and how much he actually had no idea about it. So, yes. Absolutely. This it's genderless. It's the stories are female stories and those who identify as women. Everyone is is female in this book. But it's genderless. Everyone can learn from it. Yeah. 
Brilliant. Um, what was your big why in choosing to write a collection of stories from late identified ND women? Because there's nothing really like it. You've got individual stories, you've got bits and bobs here and there, you've got neurotypicals writing stuff about how we present and it's often inaccurate. And I wanted a collection of stories that showed what we can achieve. We're not a deficit. We can achieve so much. And as Catherine's put in the the comments there, it just goes to show you that ADHD and autistic people can achieve anything. Someone without can never let ADHD hold you back. And it's true. And that's what I wanted to get over in this book because there is so much deficit. There is so much lack. There is so much you can't do it. And my philosophy in life, when someone tells me that they can't, I can't do it, is to stick a certain finger up and then go and do it twice. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Excellent. Excellent. So who do you hope this book will help? The world. I think this has got a place for everyone. The person who wrote the introduction, Laurie, Laurie Buckland, she was a secondary school English teacher and she felt that she thought that autistic students were the naughty kids. And through working with me, she was really, she's learned so much and she knows that that's an outdated belief. So this can help educators. This can help people who want to get a better understanding of themselves. This can help people who have autistic relatives and they want to learn more about them in a much more inspired way rather than that awful negative narrative that it that plagues um, Dr. Google. So avoid Dr. Google. Get my book and we can educate the world between us and raise some knowledge. So, yes, I hope that answers your question, Penny. Yes, it does. Thank you very much. Well, if um, I can now open up questions to the floor, the virtual floor, um, if anybody's got any comments or any questions, they just raise their hand. You'll automatically be popped up to the top um, of my of my screen um, and um I'll be able to um, I'll be able to unmute you, or you can unmute yourself and and ask a question. Um, okay, I was going to say there's a there's a link there for Ali. Um, has anybody got any questions? I thought that was a hand. It's actually a cat's it's tail. A cat's tail. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, my cat's beside me. <laughs> Catherine, um, my question is about empathy, autism, and empathy. And so I am, I have been trained, necessarily trained in the the gold standard way of assessing autism, but obviously there's so much more to it than the the standardized tests, you know, obviously the the, the person who is more, more meaningful. But one thing that a lot of people I work with and um, they, they, I keep saying especially females because I do find there is, I don't know if there's more masking going on, learning of social rules that, Mm -hmm. that women often pick up on more it's literally just the my observations of the people I work with but a lot of them are saying there's there's increasing evidence that actually or because we were were taught that empathy isn't something that is easily um 
demonstrated by people who are autistic and I I'm not autistic so I don't know that to be true is this just a fallacy of the old school of research I'm loving reading things in the different communities that I've joined to try and get lived experience understanding Mm. but what what's your word on this Nikki and anybody in the in the audience who wants to I'm I'm sure that you are aware of alexithymia, which Mm -hmm. is emotion blindness and not being able to connect with your emotions. In fact, I have something called my emotional support octopus, which is happy. I bought my son one of those because he has alexithymia. (laughs) (laughs) And the thing is, when you're not able to process emotions, sometimes there's a delay on that. So it's not that we lack empathy. It's sometimes we don't know what to do with what, the, the information that's income and we would just need time to process think of it like a big roast <laughs> there's louise's emotional support <laughs> octopus <laughs> um think of it like a, a roast dinner that has to digest and mm. then you can eat more specifically right. christmas dinner that's mm-hmm. a good analogy i'm now hungry exactly <laughs> yeah make sure those roast potatoes are right that's the important that's part. actually very useful because I, I try to talk to my colleagues to expand their minds about um such matters so that's yeah what did you want to add, Sam? I think it's also about um, our aversion to pain, emotional pain. Mm. So there's three different types of empathy, pretty much. The um, the cognitive, the emotional and the compassionate. So we can move very quickly through those stages or choose to move directly to one of those stages to avoid the pain. So the cognitive, I can stand in your shoes. I can understand the pain that you've told me you're going through emotional not only can I understand the pain you're going through now I'm feeling the pain now I'm getting upset and then the compassionate which is not only can I stand in your shoes I'm getting upset I want to help you solve your problem I'm there for you 100% let's sort it out right now Mm. but what I tend to do is I skip over the first two very very quickly because I want to sort it out I want to take away your pain straight away what I am not good at is sympathy. And it's it's sympathy that a lot of neurotypical people are seeking when they say they want empathy. They don't want you to just understand or sort it out. They want you to go, they're there. Oh, that's really terrible, isn't it? Oh, I'm really sorry to hear that, which doesn't do anything. It doesn't solve any pain. It's as bad as small talk to me. And I'm very clear with my friends and people who know me, don't come to me if you want sympathy. Come to me if you want me to help you sort it out. Yeah. yeah. Um, Gary, well, thank you, Sam, and thanks for the help before earlier. Um, Gary, your your hands up, and then we'll sp- pop over to Sherelle. You just need to unmute. That's it. Sorry about that. It's not a question. It's encouragement for you, Nikki. You're on a rising wave. You've published your book. Um, now is, and, and I know you want to make a huge difference in the world. I'm going to challenge you <laughs> to write your next book, not about your coaching. It's a little bit early about for that. I want you to expand your chapter on you to an entire book about you and your story. That will, that will position you so that you'll get invited for TED Talks, etc. Should you want to do that? Challenge you've accepted. Amazing, <laughs> you've, got, you've got an amazing energy and deep knowledge of being before diagnosis and after diagnosis. You, you are almost obliged to tell the world your full story. That's it. Uh, I'll, I'll be quiet now. 
Okay, so there you go. You've got yourself a challenge. There we go. We've got, we've got time for one one more question. So, Sherelle, so, I see you. Hello. Um, my the reason why I've joined this today actually is to to learn more. And um, I'm the parent of a young uh, autistic uh, kid, so he's he's going into his like teens now. And I want to know what advice you would give to a parent of an autistic child to help them understand more um, because I've read multiple books and I heard you earlier today and stay away from Dr Google and um, and that is so true um, there is so so much negative stuff out there about autism um, and yeah and I, I just I want to help my son um, and I'd, I'd want some you know I want to know what advice you would give to to a parent in helping us to help them Mm -hmm. are you autistic (laughs) there's certain traits that I've definitely noticed yeah okay it usually runs in families (laughs) yeah (laughs) some people say oh you can't answer I'm like the one thing that people say when they get diagnosed as being autistic later in life is why didn't someone tell me (laughs) yeah and there's there's things that my son does and I'm like oh my goodness I do that and there's things that you've said you know like I need I need to read your book I haven't got yet but I'm going to and there's things that you said in your book and I'm like I I do that I you know I, I totally see that yeah I think learning about the sensory side of him so his sensory profile working out what his triggers are working out like a safe space and if he is does he melt down and explode yeah 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 so when he's going into that space less is more if you can't give something that's constructive so a solution just don't put anything else in if you think of that just that one thing as um as a bottle of fizzy pop and every input is a shake of the bottle so every no every rejection, everything going outside of his plans, everything that goes wrong at school, everything that's said that doesn't align with him is a shake of the bottle. And him Mm -hmm. coming home and you simply saying, hi, son, is the last thing. And that lid off the bottle comes off, boom, he explodes. So it's having some routines that when he comes in from school that you can – that he can follow so that he can decompress and really just start to look at autistic resources, stay away from the neurotypical ones. There are some neurotypicals who have got it right, but not a lot. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot out there. And I was just really intrigued in this particular group, you know, to, to see your side of things and, uh, and to hear about that. Yeah. Uh, just sometimes just being there and having these conversations yeah. afterwards without judgment. Yeah. 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 Thank you. You're welcome. Brilliant. Well, um, it's just gone nine o'clock. So um, the hour is up. But Nick, I would like to, you know, pass over the, the final words for you just before we go. I'd like to, to thank you all for uh, for coming along. Um, it's been it's been great. It's been great fun. Um, Nikki. How, yes. How would you like to end this? 
I'm trying to find how to uh, save my, ch- my the conversation, the chat. There we go. Right, done. Even that's changed since I've uh, done it before. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would like just to thank everyone who's 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 here tonight. So thank you. And um, really, it's just yeah. Thank you for being here. Thank you for purchasing the book. Thank you for being a support. And thank you for sharing it because I know you all will. <laughs> and um, yeah, there will be more. I am going to take Gary's challenge up. I've changed my story dramatically over the last over this year because I was telling it in a way that was quite disempowering. But any good story goes on a bell curve. It starts with a hook to get you into it. It goes down and it draws you into the bad and then it takes you back up and it leaves you on the high. And I'm not in that dip anymore. I am very much on the high and that definitely, definitely needs to be, um, to be um, portrayed. Brilliant. Wow. You can see the movie coming. <gasps> yes. Yes. Movie. Nikki Great conquers time. the world with Gary <laughs> and his boat. <laughs> and his kayak. Uh, amazing. Well, um, thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you, everyone. And um, I will I will let Nikki close uh, press the button that, that says says close. I feel that that, that should be your thank you very much for being my lovely wonderful host this evening penny i really appreciate that a pleasure absolute pleasure thank you for asking me take care everybody and if you've got any questions just ping them over to me on email brilliant thank you bye bye thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this special episode this special podcast which was the live recording from my book launch on the 11th of November. The ebook version is now available to purchase on Amazon and just go over to Amazon, search up Through Autistic Eyes and my name, Nikki Collins, and you'll be able to find it there. It's also still available to purchase on my website, www.theautismcoach.co.uk and just look for the new book tab and it's there for you all of the copies that are ordered directly through me are sent out by myself and they are signed and I still got a few copies that are available for signing so get in quick and get your signed copies and once again thank you so much for your support you can find me on my website theautismcoach.co.uk I'm on Facebook autism coach i'm on linkedin as my own name and i'm also on twitter as well so enjoy the book do remember to feedback and leave your reviews because it all helps to spread the word and get the message out there and this is an amazing resource which is going to help so many people and i need your help to get that word out there too so thank you in advance Mm -hmm.